consulting and uh, with the topic for our discussion today is the art of technology road mapping vinay is um, uh, is, is a innovation consultant and works as a catalyst in three broad areas design thinking strategic innovation and mindfulness and uh, so he is um, also the co-author of a couple of books in, in fact um, one is uh, a book on innovation eight steps to innovation from jugard to excellence and um, another book on uh, mindfulness uh, recently published uh, last year mindfulness tearing the the veil of illusion uh, so welcome uh, welcome vinay and thanks for joining us today thanks pravin it's a pleasure to be here great and really looking forward to a great conversation vinay uh, so if uh, technology obviously is uh, going through a tremendous change and the pace of technology change almost feels like uh, it's an exponential change and uh, uh, it's it almost feels overwhelming in some respects to really try and keep up with the pace of technology change as well as harness technology and see uh, how it can be used for a strategic benefit whether it is at some levels uh, technology is almost becoming a tool a weapon uh, in in the geopolitical sense as well so understanding uh, how technology is evolving and almost uh, trying to anticipate where it might head next and what does that mean for corporate strategy or or uh, uh, or nations trying to define their own um, own strategy for uh, geopolitical relevance and dominance uh, so that that seems to be a very critical capability road mapping can help address some of these with that uh, background vinay um, can you talk to us a little bit about what technology road mapping uh, is all about uh, an introduction to technology road mapping and then we can go into some questions that we have from some of the audience uh, that uh, of the, the the team has submitted in advance and uh, we we'll also take questions during the course of the conversation as well sounds good pravin um, once again you know it's uh, thanks for having me and it's really pleasure to be part of this webinar i'll just narrate a short um, incident about how i got introduced to uh, technology road mapping i was working um, in saskan then it's maybe about 15 or 18 years old uh, story i was part of a products division we were working on 3g protocol stack and one of our partners was uh, a semiconductor company texas instruments and as part of engineering management team i was part of this meeting where ci guys had come and uh, they presented a five year roadmap of their chipset and i had never seen something like that you know we were uh, sort of uh, changing our uh, directions every now and then and i thought that's how life is all the time in a technology world and here is this guy who is presenting here is how our five years uh, the chipset are going to evolve um looked really nice and uh, i just made a note of this you know, how can somebody be so confident about uh, how their uh, product is going to evolve um, it so happened that i was part of a similar meeting the following year with the same set of people from texas instruments and again they presented a five year roadmap except that it was not uh, uh, it was quite different from the previous year uh, but they were equally confident when they presented it <laughs> so my gist is this i mean all of us who are driving cars know the importance of uh, maps and road maps 
you know, we um, the world is changing and um, it, it helps to have uh, some direction to this, uh, where we are going. I think uh, that's one of the key role that roadmap plays, which is establishing collective clarity, which is yes, it, it's like saying yes, um, technology is changing, a lot of features are getting evolved, but for our purposes, here are a few things uh, we are focusing on, and here are a few things we are more certain of, and certain things we are really experimenting about. It's a, I would say it's a pictorial view where the x-axis is a timeline, sometimes in quarters, but sometimes it could be in years, and the y-axis could be different product lines, um, or it could be some um, domain areas, it could be also some um, key features or even technology platforms. So that is how I would look at it as a pictorial view where we are seeing, okay, what is, as far as this organization is concerned, what is the view of the technology that we are taking um, maybe a few um, years from now? Right. So in, in a way, uh, Vinay, the, the, uh, the role of a technology roadmap, uh, I see two, uh, two roles really, uh, and uh, two benefits from a technology roadmap the, from the described it. One is in the actual deliverable and actually having a pictorial representation. And the second part of the benefit is almost the process of creating a roadmap. The, the end deliverable is almost uh, uh, besides the point. The fact that you are actually going through as an organization or as a team, going through a and what that means in the broader context of your organization or your society or your government or your country. Uh, it almost that brings that collective clarity, right? So it's almost like a dual benefit where the, the output is part of the benefit, but it's as much about the process as the output. Yeah, I mean, I, you're really right. Um, I mean, um, it definitely um, can be looked upon as a process of establishing that clarity. Having said that, I have seen different types of roadmaps or, or different ways they get represented. One way, which is an extreme view where process part gets almost uh, sidelined, is where uh, the deliverable comes out as a set of actions. Meaning the roadmap is just visible as, okay, you need to engineering needs to do one, two, three, uh, marketing needs to do one, two, three, um, manufacturing one, two, three, uh, maybe, and so on, right? Right. And the link and the linkages between the market drivers, technology drivers, uh, customer drivers, which are, um, as you call the hypothesis, why are we saying this is an important feature while this something else is not? If that mm -hmm. linkage is missing, then um, it becomes difficult to appreciate the process view. Right. So, um, so it, it almost looks like <clears throat> Um, there, there's a particular, uh, I mean, I think that brings us to the actual topic and the title of our, our discussion today, uh, Vinay, this almost seems like there is an art to it, right? It's not, uh, uh, it's not just that there is a mechanical process of creating this. I'm sure there are, uh, there are concrete steps and uh, activities that need to be performed. But if you want to really get the benefit of it, uh, you need to uh, almost hone the capability of building a process um, or, or developing a technology roadmap. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Praveen. I mean, I would say um, any place where there is an awareness of, um, you know, uh, resiliency, which means to say that, look, I'm not the 
putting the final word here, but it's anytime if things change, I, we need to go back and change it. And hence, uh, I need to keep looking at what may work best in this context. Uh, and if you look at, you know, sometimes those who have been programming for a long time, right? Even programming people may look as an art, right? In the sense, anybody, even for that matter, if you take somebody who is a sweeper, I mean, I'm just taking an extreme example. Right. He's really putting his heart into it. Um, he find his own task as an as a matter of art as well, right? So in right. that sense, art as a word is is uh, at least the way I look at it is more general in the sense whenever you put everything into it, mm -hmm. um, yeah, everything starts looking like an art. Indeed, indeed, yes. I think that's a very a very good way of looking at it. I mean, everything uh, uh, there's a potential to look at everything as an art. It depends on uh the the involvement that you bring to it and the passion that you bring into it right so i guess that's also an element of uh, that's also another dimension for what makes something in art I mean, okay. and, yeah and, and your sensitivity to see newness in things right yeah. right, right. And that, that's the whole point of innovation. I think that's a very good point, Vinay. So and on the process itself, right? So you mentioned um, there is a possibility that the technology roadmap can devolve into uh, just a set of actions uh, for different teams. Uh, so that uh, kind of uh, makes me think about what are the uh, what are the teams that need to be involved in the process from the beginning, right? How do you come up with a holistic roadmap that uh, makes sense for the, the wider organization? Um, so, what are the what are the stakeholders we need to uh, we need to in, uh, in, include so that it's a relevant roadmap and it's a holistic roadmap? And um, also, how do we draw the line between the inputs that come from the um, the end? Okay, Pravin. So you know that's a good question. And be, before we answer the question, maybe let me just uh, put out two, three types of road roadmaps that I've seen. Right. Maybe that will help us um, bring in the stakeholder perspective. One right. would be a product-centric roadmap, which is relatively easy to understand, which means if you are building, let's say, a smartphone, then a product-centric roadmap would bring in all the technologies um, um, and market drivers uh, along with it. Um, so essentially, it will be camera, it will be multimedia, you know, your um, communication engine, and, you know, so many different technologies. But that's one type of um, roadmap. The second type, I would say, is more like a thematic roadmap. A theme could be, for example, sustainability, which may cut across various products and services in the organization. Um, it could be uh, something like smart city. So, um, so that's a theme that you're trying to drive at. And the third uh, type of uh, roadmap which I've seen, which comes from a typical R&D or a tech CTO's organization, which is, I would say, technology platform-centric roadmap. So somebody is develop developing, let's say, um, automation or machine learning or one of these, you take one of these terms, and that group may be primarily responsible for evolving that technology. And then, of course, that feeds into multiple businesses, multiple products and services. Now, now let's look at at least the the the, the most familiar one, which is a product-centric roadmap. If that's the one which we are developing, then I'm assuming product management function, marketing function, um, strategy function, um, engineering function, um, uh, support function. Um, they would, I think, 
all major you know stakeholders would be part of um, the process i i would say ideally i mean for that my, i mean why you know you, you may ask why support function i would say uh, the customer's voice is you know visible to the marketing function as well as a support function so actually support function that way carries a lot of wealth of uh, um, insights uh, which can be brought into um, you know the table while drawing that did, did i miss something do you think i mean you pravin you would have been also part of uh, such uh, meetings and workshops right i think that that's uh, that kind of makes sense uh, i mean i think the uh, if it is a product focused uh, technology roadmap uh, so i guess these are the the key uh, capabilities that would be involved um, so is there like uh, uh, who who's who's the ideal i guess the answer might uh, be as in many cases it depends uh, it might be the cto organization in some cases it might be the product organization in some cases but is there like a way of looking at who should own the process who should own the the roadmap and uh, who should drive the the use of that roadmap maybe look at it in three yeah I, so i think this ownership is actually as you said it actually depends a lot on the organization structure sometimes i've seen it's owned by product management but i've seen at least the technology roadmap sometimes is owned by the engineering function also yeah. and there are times when i've seen cto's organization also owning the technology roadmap um, so i mean all these things uh, i've seen um, while the product roadmap may be owned by uh, let's say product management primarily but the technology roadmap may be owned by engineering or cto's organization um, as well right um, one of the things um, that it's increasingly becoming a, a theme these days is uh, just as they say no man is an island right so or no organization is an island these days everyone every organization operates in an ecosystem uh, so how do you how do you make sure that you have a technology roadmap that is a part of this broader whole that that any organization finds itself in right so uh, i think there's a risk sometimes that organizations become too inward looking and uh, yes. they define a roadmap that's kind of divorced from uh, other roadmaps whether they call them roadmaps or not that uh, that influence that particular roadmap so how do you have that kind of an ecosystem view feeding into the roadmap development that's a good question and i have seen again um, multiple uh, sides to this story i have seen a workshop where let's say an apparel a uh, company brings their new product development function who owns the technology roadmap uh, brings in uh, technology specialist who are um, from their uh, you know in the value chain who feed into them they come from uh, different countries they participate in and you could have also seen in a, not in the same workshop but in a different context the same organization again talking to um, different technologies which create different retail experiences so uh, i would say um, it definitely is a sign of uh, the you know how healthy or how confident um, this uh, the organization is or, uh, or the function is um, to bring in see there is there could always be a little bit of um, fear you know because am i exposing my ip for example right um, when you bring in um, your partners and outsiders that's one of the uh, uncertainty so there needs to be some level of confidence 
to to have such a um, um, let's say workshop or a meeting where uh, outside organizations come in that's one one side which i've seen the other side which i've seen is if in this whole um, ecosystem if there, there is one or two players who are far too big i mean they're really giants and everybody else is just uh, you know uh, secondary that also can uh, make uh, such a meeting uh, lopsided you know right so that's our view also which i've seen sometimes and hence uh, for a meeting to be really or a workshop or uh, um, such a perspective that needs to be really balanced i think there needs to be some kind of um, respect mutual respect uh, for each other's uh, opinions and uh, views right right i think that's a fascinating point when the the fact that there will be or there could be players with uh, vastly different influence or uh, shall we say power uh, in that conversation right and they might be part of that conversation or there might be there might be entities which are de facto standard setters in an industry so that's right yeah uh, right so i think so if you look at it from an ecosystem so uh, that, that power so you might have suppose you are a uh, I don't know, mobile phone manufacturer, just to take an example. Yeah. Uh, so you are living in a world that is defined by, uh, by say, Google as the, uh, as the standard setter in the form of Android. So everyone takes, like, like you have this concept of market, uh, market makers and market takers, right? So everyone takes the Android ecosystem or the context as a given. And then within that context, you kind of do what you can, right? So uh, that's that's another aspect to it, right? So if there is uh, such a vast differential in power and uh, uh, and control of a particular experience, then um, uh, you you kind of define your technology roadmap within the context of that that particular. That's right. But you see, uh, there's another interesting side of uh, this road mapping in the in the context of uh, mobile phones that which I've seen, um, where. Um, you know, the standard, if you look at the standardization process, you know, LTE and, you know, 4G, 5G. Now, standardization process itself involves uh, multiple um, organizations and, you know, possibly even research organizations contributing to it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I remember uh, the same time frame where I was uh, talking about uh, this company, Saskan, which is an Indian company, small company. And there were people at, you know, actually primarily from the, so the, you know, in a, in a um, mobile phone, you have standards uh, from both sides, right? You have a, a standardization that needs to happen from uh, the phone side, also the test and measurement side. So I, I saw a number of people from the test group contributing to the standardization. Right. right. And this was really a small organization, uh, um, you know, that time, it, you know, Indian contribution wasn't, uh, you know, there weren't too many global players in India as well. So it, so it could, there are places like this standardization, which, um, so if, if we just take this um, analogy and apply it to your uh, Google um, example, one way to ask this, okay, um, while I am taking in everything that Google offers, um, are there opportunities where I can influence Google's roadmap as well? Right, right, <laughs> mm -hmm. right. I think that that's uh, yeah, that that's an interesting perspective. I mean, you don't or any organization doesn't necessarily have to passively receive that context, but also try to influence it. So, in a manner that maybe makes sense for that particular organization. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, uh, one of the things uh, maybe related to that is really, I mean, this is 
coming into the question of the ambition organization, right? Maybe some organizations will try to operate within that. And maybe some organizations will want to stretch the boundaries and see if they can partner or kind of lead Google in a particular path uh, based on technologies that, that they are developing. And it might be, and at some point, it might be a conversation among equals if uh, uh, if that particular uh, technology provider is such a niche technology provider that they're able to actually influence the Android roadmap. So um, from that perspective, how does um, how does one ensure that the roadmap is achievable as well as ambitious? So it's almost like a tension that you need to balance, right? So between ambition and, and pragmatism. Yeah, so I would say good technology roadmap is anchored in a set of use cases right, um, right. so for, right. for example i was just looking at uh, the different levels uh, of uh, um, autonomous vehicles you know the, it has been defined from level 1 to level 5 and in fact uh, even the hype cycle puts them differently which means the level 4 um, is uh, has come down and um, from the hype point and level five is, which is completely the this you know, driver uh, can sleep and do whatever the car will do. Everything type of thing is still relatively in the infancy in this uh, hype cycle. Right. Right. So, um, sorry, I lost the thread. What, what, sorry, what was it? <laughs> the question was, how do we balance the this tension between yeah. having a roadmap that is ambitious but also achievable? Yeah, so I, I mean, on one hand, there needs to be a set of use cases. Right. Where, um, those use cases can't be just uh, like next quarter use cases. There would be some which could be next quarter. But mm -hmm. I'm assuming there has to be some use cases like this level five driving, which is still quite far out there. Right. So I think that's a very important thing um, as a prerequisite for a roadmap. Um, to be healthy. And, and second point, I think, is if you, you know, strategy is a very loaded word, but I would say there needs to be some priority to some of these use cases, saying, unless I take a position on some of these things, saying, look, let us focus on this particular use case as, a, as an important thing for us to differentiate in the market. Right. Um, I think, and this position when you take, it can't be like changing every quarter types. Right. One needs to take and hold the position for, you know, at least let's say year before you reevaluate and and change perhaps. Right. Now that needs some um, that needs both some insights as well as guts. Right. 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 Because you're taking some risks. See, if you change as per the customer requirements every other day, then uh, then that's not really position taking. Mm -hmm. And I would right. say, if you look at the um, the evolution of IT services industry, it is seen and it is perhaps still seen this kind of thing where traditionally it has been on the receiving end. The requirements come from somebody and we are trying to implement and provide that, right? Versus you build a position on, on some area. I think this is where we can really do something. Right. Right. I remember some of the uh, engagements where I was facilitator for IT services companies. Uh, they uh, they were shy for um, uh, having a roadmap as a deliverable out of this. They, their fear was that 
the customer who is joining or joining that particular meeting may not even treat these people as uh, partners in the show mm -hmm. because you are not co-innovator you you really um, you know i'll tell you what to do types right so it's, right. The, it's the the imbalance in this power structure which is sometimes seen right so right. i would say there needs to be a view where there's a willingness to take uh, a position for some time is important right right so unless there is insight it it is difficult to hold that position absolutely and uh, so um almost the the process right the process and the the metrics so um so when you take about when you talk about holding a position and holding a position uh, with some some durability so you need to give it a certain amount of time for that either the trends to to be validated or the trends to be invalidated so i think that's that's uh, it's almost like a, uh, the essence of strategy right what do you say no to uh, you, you don't want to be buffeted by every uh, every uh, semi trend that you see bubbling uh, but you want, you want to kind of make some calls and uh, uh, have the the gumption to say no to a few uh, potential distractions so from that perspective vinay um, there will always be uh, these various trends that people are talking about in some many cases people are hyping various trends and something um, there's almost always almost on almost on a weekly basis almost it feels like there is uh, the next big technology or the technology trend being uh, being hyped so how do you uh, are there metrics are there uh, is there like a framework to say uh, how do you ascertain the strength of a particular technology trend and the duration of a particular technology trend okay uh, so, uh, is there like a uh, maybe not a completely objective basis? Is there uh, something that you can uh, use as a foundation to say, okay, this particular trend looks to be of uh, of certain durability? So we are we are hundred we are maybe not hundred percent we are seventy percent certain about this particular trend, and therefore we'll give it eighteen months. Are there metrics, or is it is there a possibility to have such metrics assigned to technology trends? So I would step back a little bit on um, on the durability uh, in the sense I would first look at the durability of the requirement market or business requirement itself. Okay, and and just to give put that into context, the example which uh, um, which I really like comes from uh, the the answer that Jeff Bezos gave in a in an interview where he was asked how, how will Amazon look like ten years from now. And his answer was, I don't know, but I know for sure that my customers are not going to ask, tell me that, uh, please uh, give me uh, uh, more expensive products. Uh, please uh, deliver them a little slowly and, uh, you know, just show me a couple of choices, you know. He knows, so he, he says there are certain things I know for sure is that my customers still want cheap product. I mean, the low cost uh, uh, prices to be low. Um, then uh, selection to be vast as well as delivery to be fast. Right, right, right. So it's almost like like the, like the the triad, right? Cheaper, better, faster. I mean, that will never go out of fashion. Now, uh, so so I would call them relatively time invariant requirements. Right. And he's saying that has been unchanged for uh, almost from the beginning. So now that may not be the requirement for different I mean, different businesses, different organizations may have different types of requirements. 
but it it helps to identify durable requirements like just to use the word that you are using right 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 and i think that would then um definitely bring out a set of um, um technologies to look at for example you know um just just one example that comes to mind there's a company called husk power systems and i, I know because uh, this company is something i have used as an example in our book and um, you know the one of the co-founders also visited uh, um, uh, imb when i was there right so this is a, a company uh, which is uh, headquartered in patna and uh, it started i think in 2006 as a rice husk uh, which is a waste um, from which you do gasification from you from there you get electricity and these guys are trying to electrify rural india okay now they were they almost for five years um ganesh pandey and uh, his colleagues experimented with state of the art technology which is polymer solar cells um, wind energy jatropha based biodiesel and none of them turned out to be viable technologies for their purposes mm-hmm. and finally they did this uh, rice has based uh, technology but in 5 years time by 2012 or 13 the price points for solar dropped so much that these guys had to revisit um, solar again right and, and they created a hybrid model where they have solar during daytime and rice husk based uh, uh, electrification during night time um and that's right. the model which uh, is currently being sold so you see um, once you have clarity as to okay this is what we need we our price points has to be low enough for rural india let's say um then you always have to be on the radar to watch out oh if you know uh, for regulatory reasons or otherwise if uh, your solar price point is really low then you need to just bring that experimentation and see whether it matches right right absolutely so um maybe a question on the frameworks and uh, how do you actually develop a roadmap and uh, present a roadmap next when i so are there uh, standard frameworks so uh, like we discussed maybe there's a bit of an art to it but there's also a repeatable structured process to actually developing a technology roadmap you talked about uh, the three different types of technology roadmaps as well so are there frameworks Uh, for roadmap development um, and uh, the representation of a technology roadmap. Um, so let me tell you. Uh, so first of all, I'm not sure if there's any standardization in this process, but let me give you a view where uh, of a technology roadmap which I found very useful. Right. That you had, um, I would say, at least three parts to it. The the top part had market and business drivers. Um, so let's imagine. Um, kind of a uh, you know wide chart where you have uh, year or quarters um, on the x axis um and on the y axis let's say on one first set of things is this um market business drivers second set of things could be your technology um, that you want to take different technologies that you want to look at and, and features and maybe third set could be um, various capabilities and resources that you have now one way i've seen um, that it evolves is you bring in different people and you know either use postits or some way some um, easy mechanism of getting multiple perspectives on this chart and you also establish linkages which means 
which market driver drives which particular technology need then uh, how what resources would help you either through partners or internet development can actually get you there right um, right now when you do this let's say using let's say there are you get 50 people in the room and they build something like this i'm sure there is a consolidation requirement where you, you know that still may be quite cluttered for um, sharing with larger audience somebody uh, takes in and abstracts a slightly higher view where you don't put every post it uh, represented there but creates a view which is you know either through a let's say a slide or something is shareable across multiple people the other view also which i've seen is hierarchical which means now not all aspects may be relevant for engineering to go forward so they may call out certain portion from this um, and engineering may not be looking at five year view for example engineering may be looking at uh, let's say a four quarter view then they may just expand that part um, let's say you have one one floor where all the engineering sits then that's where they may post that particular aspect um, i mean that's that's one way so it becomes kind of a hierarchical thing where you have a top level view then right. you have various teams actually taking this that's one and then you revisit that either when some drastic thing happens like this solar price dropping substantially um, right. or um, you know at some annual uh, level you meet again and, and you revise right right okay so um i think that's uh, it, it's almost like every organization has to define for itself what what makes most sense for that particular organization organization space and the business and how they operate right so there is there's quite a lot of latitude is what it looks like yes correct right so uh, we have a question uh, from one of our participants uh, chayan kaushal chayan kaushal is uh, is incidentally one of the technology special interest group moderators as well okay. uh, uh, he has a question about the reference you made to the uh, to the autonomous driving uh, levels yeah. um, so uh, and then his question, I'm, I'm reading it from the chat window. Let's assume level four is for Waymo currently and level two is for Tesla at the moment, okay. right? And both of these market leaders started somewhere in the last decade. And as per this technology roadmap, how do we assess the success uh, in a new market or in a new technology curve? Uh, so how do we, how do we, what are the metrics? Uh, what are the metrics that we can use for defining what a success is or measuring what success is? And I, I guess it's something that you can't do a priori. You can't do something in a forward-looking way. Uh, but I mean, I don't mean to presume your answer, but that, that's the question that Chayan has. How do you measure success uh, in a new market or a new technology curve? Uh, okay, now, I mean, uh, uh, let's explore what, what, what this means, right? So what my understanding is that, so Waymo is, is the Google's uh, uh, driving car, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So I think they've acquired Waymo. It used to be independent. Oh, correct. Right. Yeah. So it was a startup, and they would have acquired. Now, yeah. see, my understanding is this: that there is nothing like a universal technology roadmap which is good for uh, all the people who are playing a somewhat similar game. And I'm not even sure whether, let's say, Waymo and Tesla are playing the same game. But let's assume they are all at least um, in this autonomous vehicle game. Now. My assumption is that um, every, so the Tesla's technology roadmap is 
definitely different from Waymo's technology roadmap. And for the reason that it is positioning um, would be different, is my understanding. It's price point as to who, who is customer basis and performance parameters. I'm not even sure if Waymo's and Tesla's performance parameters in terms of, um, you know, it's uh, acceleration and so on, right? I mean, Tesla may be more of a sporty kind of thing. I don't know whether Waymo is similar. I'm not uh, uh, expert. But my understanding is some of these um, elements about your positioning would have a significant role to play in which uh, as to where um, you know you focus in the technology roadmap. So right. a better question would be: um, Is Tesla's technology roadmap helping its product development, right, and um, and uh, be successful? And why similarly? How is Waymo's technology roadmap helping um, it deliver to its promise? Right. Right. So, right. so for example, if, if I understand correctly, Waymo was one of the things which uh, Uber or some um, you know some uh, some of the taxis um, opted for it and they were using it and so on, right? So, um, so it, it doesn't the, it doesn't seem to be a very high end market that it's trying to capture first. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so it means. It's having relatively low price point. So your technology maturity has to be such that you are, you don't have to have a very high end sporty uh, performance parameters be delivered there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a that's a good point. When I um, the I guess uh, the the uh, the key sense that I'm getting is it doesn't make sense to compare technology roadmaps across organizations. Uh, it's almost like like your life plan, right? If you look at it from an individual perspective, yeah. um, different individuals might have certain visions for what they expect to do with right. what, their, what their purpose is really. And therefore, how do they lay out their, their individual objectives, what they want to do uh, in five years or three years or one year or whatever it is. And therefore, what are they doing today? Yeah. Um, and so it's a bit like that, right? So it's- uh, So um, so it, might, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you, you can compare for inspiration, but uh, it doesn't really make sense to do any kind of a head-to-head -head comparison between one company's technology roadmap and another company's technology roadmap. Yeah, so I would say, uh, uh, but I think a question that is definitely um, maybe useful is, does is the technology roadmap for a company helping uh, it achieve a strategic uh, advantage, let's say? Right. Right, because uh, assuming every company is trying to you know, be differentiating itself vis-a-vis uh, -vis its competitors in some ways. Is that is technology roadmap helping in that process? I think that is really the question. Right, right, right. So it's, it's effectively the proof of the pudding, right? It's uh, yeah. is it doing what it needs to be doing. And, and in that sense, you see, uh, when Apple jumped onto uh, multi-tap, just an example. Right. Multi-tap as a technology was in the laboratory since the 80s. Right. So. It was not even at the hype point that it jumped. It jumped when the multi-touch technology had come down on the maturity curve. So uh, while people may associate multi-tap with Apple, uh, those who closely follow technology would know it for a much longer time. Right. Every organization strategically may have a slightly different approach as to when on its maturity curve it is willing to jump. So uh, I'm assuming Google jumped on autonomous drivings at a much earlier in the curve. 
and and that is not necessarily how every organization who is into it. so just to take a, a local example ether energy for example mm -hmm. they have this e scooter uh, which is uh, uh, you know they launched the next 450x launched uh, i think last month mm -hmm. that's um, so uh, they are um, I, I don't think they are doing batteries um, completely by themselves that's that's the part they are importing right now right but they're focused but they're treating this scooter as a platform where they are doing over there uh, features they are doing feature enhancements right and uh, having maps um, on their uh, display is is one of the crucial things they have different so experience is one of the areas they are trying to differentiate but if they had said no no because this is what it is we will do even batteries also ourselves um, i'm not so sure if uh, you know that would be helpful right so we have another question um, Vinay, from uh, Kunal Shah, uh, who is an IT manager at Shell. And uh, so this, this question, I think you, you probably touched upon this uh, uh, briefly uh, earlier in the conversation, but uh, uh, the specific question is, how do you approach road mapping differently for a one year versus a three year versus uh, a 10 year horizon? Yeah. Uh, so so I, I think the, the example that you mentioned about the Intel roadmap, so maybe that was yeah. headed in that direction, but uh, I would be curious to understand your perspective on this. No, I, I agree. So, I mean, say, let's say, you know, Shell or, you know, see, organizations which are into energy, for example, right? So, some of these, um, what we do, I mean, I think it goes back to the Jeff Bezos kind of thing we discussed. Right. There will be organizations which will have um, relatively time invariant requirements. Right. right? Um, and that would definitely, um, drive your uh, long-term roadmap as well. So for example, um, the speed of, so let's take this Amazon example a little further, right? Um, is uh, your drone delivery. You, you know that you know, 10 years from now also, your customers are going to demand um, faster delivery. And, and hence, it made sense to look at technologies which may take 10 years to, see, it's been maybe what eight years or ten years since Amazon started its experimentation with uh, drones. Right. Okay. And and even today, I don't think it has got all the uh, uh, all the things together. Uh, where I'm not sure if it's actually doing drone deliveries yet. Right. So, uh, but but it, it it I have not seen a news that it has given up on the technology as well. Which means it's uh, you know I'm sure it's at some level progressing um, in its thing. So. Some of these time invariant requirements um, would be driving your experimentation at a completely different uh, horizon level where you don't, and that's where your portfolio management would come in, right? I mean, you don't necessarily put all your eggs into one uh, experimentation. You would put some budget for doing some experiments which are really, really uh, big bets, right? I mean, and, and one guy who is a very vocal about this is Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, for example, uh, I mean, I, I recently, so I follow his blogs. And one of the things which he mentioned uh, is that, you know, so let's say Warren Buffett also put a lot of money into his um, uh, this uh, social venture, social organization that he runs, right? And one of the things which the Buffett specifically mentioned to him is, with this money, you should be taking really, really uh, big bets. Right. right. 
So, right. for example, one area where he's uh, uh, he uh, put in some uh, significant investment is nuclear power. Mm -hmm. Now, nuclear power has a lot of going against it. Um, you know, because we have seen a massive, um, uh, you know, um, accidents and so on, right? So, the, and there are a lot of questions being raised about uh, whether it's viability and whether it's environmentally safe and so on. But when he encountered a paper, uh, you know, which was brought to him and explained, and he first invested in a um, simulator for nuclear uh, reactor. So it, it becomes kind of a sandbox where you can do like thousands and thousands of simulations to actually characterize how safe it might be and how it might uh, uh, work in various uh, worst case scenarios, which caused, uh, which can cause damages. And only when he was convinced on the simulator that um, it seems to be actually uh, quite robust uh, and still quite efficient that he started to invest further, but, but and, and it's really a long-term bet, right? Right, right. So uh, I think that's how I would say, um, ideally uh, every organization should, I mean, see not every organization, a startup may not have a 10-year plan, really. Right. But yeah, you know, reasonably large organization, you know, can look at uh, that. Right, right. So I think that's, that's interesting. Um, uh, the, the, the question came from Kunal who works for Shell. And I know Shell has been big on scenario planning. Right, uh, so, yeah. And even, even now, uh, Shell, I mean, when it comes to the energy transition, right? So I work in the oil and gas sector. So I know the, the biggest theme in oil and gas at the moment is, uh, is the energy transition. How do we go from uh, being a carbon intensive industry to, to satisfying the energy needs of the world in a less carbon intensive way? So that's, that's a massive uh, focus in the oil and gas industry right now. And even there, Shell has multiple scenarios uh, that they've done and said, okay, this is the worst case scenario, this is the best case scenario. Uh, so I think that's uh, the, the, the kind of hypothesis that we've been talking about. It's uh, Shell has tried to do it through uh, through the scenario planning approach. No, and I would say it, it it would be one of the more mature organizations in in doing these kind of exercises. Right. Right, right. I think yeah, that organizational maturity and uh, that organizational capability that has been honed over time that's right. uh, also makes sense, right? It's uh, it, that's also critical. And maybe uh, what Shell does might not make sense for a similar organization, even of the same scale and capability, because that's the style that Shell follows to develop hypotheses about the future. And maybe it's, yeah. it's not the right, right thing for some other organizational culture. Right. But but that brings an interesting example in mind to me. Okay, so if you go back, let's say another 40 years. Okay, um, so there's this guy Schumacher. You know, he wrote a book called Small is Beautiful. Right. And he was working for uh, coal um, that time. I mean, in in UK, one of the I think largest organizations in the energy organizations in the world. Mm -hmm. And he that time saw this um, big. Uh, challenge um, that we will face by we are just uh, using these resources which are not renewable right so right. Um, but he, i mean nobody was ready to listen really i mean so it's one thing to have an intent really and yeah. another is to actually translate the intent into actually um, let's say roadmap for example Right. There may be a lot of self-deception going on because finally, if everybody wants bigger car and and, and if 
you know everybody wants to let's say do a lip service for sustainability but really have everything big uh, without caring so you know organizations can also take um, a similar view saying okay finally you know i'm getting customers for this car why do i have to worry about um, sustainability right right so i'm saying yeah it, it it's uh, it's one thing to be um, actually you know doing scenarios and another thing to be actually associating priority to some use case and drilling it down so the example which comes to my mind is lego toys right so lego right. toys actually has been investing in bio brick um, which is it wants to actually it has a plastic uh, that brick which is a basic uh, brick that is used in lego toys right now they have been saying okay they we want to move away from plastic if we can okay and they have been they have they have been experimenting with so many trees and and so on to see if they can have a, a brick from uh, renewable resources right they right. have invested i think a few hundred million dollars and their thing is it can't be too hard because the kid has to um, be able to take it out and it can't be too soft because the bricks have to fit into each other so there's right. a there's a balance of how uh, you know flexible uh, that material should be and they haven't got a bio brick which has that uh, exact properties but they are it's been like i think maybe 10 years or something but they are still uh, they're trying to explain sure so, yeah so you, you, you never know i think the the important thing always uh, almost feels like when i um, that you keep uh, you have that goal in mind you have that aspiration in mind that um, the objective that you're trying to achieve uh, as lego in this case is you want to have a uh, environment friendly lego block and because at the, the the core of your business is that single lego block right and uh, uh, if you can't make that i uh, just look at the carbon intensity intensity of your business as as lego yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it can make a drastic uh, change to that, and maybe you keep pursuing that goal, and maybe at some point technology will catch up with your aspirations, and then suddenly maybe material science will progress or whatever will happen, and suddenly things will fall into place, and then one day you suddenly have your sustainable Lego block. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So uh, we have a question from Priyanka Agrawal. Uh, she's a manager at Raputa Robotics. Okay. Uh, so our question is about. Uh, I guess this is uh, an all too common situation when it comes to uh, a new product idea, right? So, uh, so NPA, new product introduction. Um, so where one does not have historical data to support one roadmap versus the other. I guess this this comes to a question, how do you make a bet? And the specific question is, uh, how can the marketing or strategy team help the CTO's office in developing a product or technology roadmap in this kind of a situation where you don't have historical information that might be relevant for the question? So this is a it's actually a good question i would say um, it is uh, an important area where um, when it comes to big bets um, it's uh, you may not even um, start with one idea really you may start with a broad area um, where you feel that's an area so for example uh, somebody may say healthcare as an area right uh, or even further narrow down and say um, um, healthcare um, automation as an area. So my um, assumption is that market insight. So for any bet to be taken, um, insights play a, a big role. And I think marketing team is definitely um, 
um, has uh, skills where it can it can do immersive research, right? Which is not just a survey kind of research. It is a research where you are really uh, have deep insights with customers. Now, if you look at many technology uh, technologies that I deal with, um, going and uh, really doing um, immersive research is not something they may like or that's not they, that may not be their specialty. So um, I feel marketing team can play a big role in in doing that kind of um, going and actually spending time with. Uh, New new people, right? Not just your existing market, but from a completely new perspective, and bringing out insights and sharing them. Um, I think, uh, of course, it, it works both ways. Okay, so even CTO's office has to be receptive uh, because I could always be, um, uh, you know, inside out looking. So, for example, I, you know, they, I'll have a bunch of ideas and say, okay, these are the areas to be betting on, right? So it needs to be both ways, which means there needs to be an openness from CTO's office to really uh, collaborate with the uh, marketing and strategy team um, and involve them. So if you ask me, I haven't seen um, uh, many um, of these uh, CT. I mean, cross-functional collaboration is one of the toughest nut to crack in the innovation process, I feel personally. So. I've seen the other cases which are more often where these really teams work in isolation. Um, but I, if you ask me, the great opportunity lies there. Right, right, right. Um, so um, so we, are, we are coming towards the end of uh, our time together. Uh, when I, uh, if you have some more time, maybe we can extend it by a few minutes. Uh, we still have uh, some questions that uh, folks have shared. Um, so are you okay to continue for yeah, five minutes? I'm okay, yeah, Pravin, no problem. <clears throat> right. Um, so one of the, um, I mean, maybe uh, towards in terms of summarizing the conversation today. So, uh, what what would you say are the best practices? Um, I guess there's, there's no single set of best practices given that there are diverse needs and diverse situations. But in your experience, if you look at technology road mapping as uh, as a broadly applicable tool, what would you say are the uh, say the three best practices that would be mostly relevant for most organizations? Let's look at maybe let's step back a little bit. Let's say what are the characteristics of roadmap which are really important. The first thing which we said, um, uh, you know, we really highlighted is clarity. Now, clarity, uh, you can ask clarity about what, and and one of the things we said is clarity about focus or priority. Which means if you have use cases, then really identifying where your focus like which use case has priority. For example, right? Um, right. I think that that would um, that definitely helps so that's clarity is one characteristic the second characteristics i would i would say is resiliency which means if something changes how quickly can you go back and change the roadmap mm -hmm. it becomes too cumbersome it's like a 100 page document and i know i don't know what all to change now then it becomes uh, i think uh, too bulky thing right and, and and hence that's where the hierarchical nature of the view helps, which means you have something top level and from which different uh, smaller versions get derived. Mm -hmm. um, and the third thing I would say is uh, currentness, which is right. there needs to be really um, somebody really going through the radar, uh, watching what's going around. And if if, you, if somebody just looks at this 
see, oh, this is what was uh, relevant some time back, but uh, we have just gone past all this, right? Then it, it is not uh, very meaningful. So the iterative thinking part, right, which means for it to be remaining current, there's a need to really revisit um, and update it. Um, and that updation has to be really efficient, meaning if it takes too much time, uh, then, um, you know, it is not going to be updated. Right, right. That is what I feel. Um, um, and, and hence, um, having so for clarity, a pictorial view is very helpful. Uh, even in the pictorial view, if it's hierarchical, which means one view which is relevant for, let's say, marketing strategy, you know, technology engineering, and then you can have a, um, and that view can be multi multi year view, for example. Um, or little long term, and then you have uh, more short term views which are relevant for each functions. Right. Th that makes sense. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, the the kind of uh, and these three uh, best practices or, or critical success factors, if you will. Uh, so yeah. these are like we we discuss time invariant uh, characteristics or time invariant yeah. needs. So these are almost like context invariant. Best practices that that would be uh, that would make for a good technology roadmap, regardless of the kind of organization you are or the kind of situation you find yourself in. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So I think that uh, brings us to the uh, to the end of the the questions that we had uh, for the discussion today, Vinay. Uh, so in uh, in concluding, uh, any other uh, summary remarks that you'd like to make, uh, Vinay? Yeah, okay. Maybe one last point is that let's put technology. Um, aside for the time being and just ask a question so roadmapping per se mm -hmm. is that a skill relevant at a individual level right and if you ask me um, at least personally uh, it has been useful uh, which means i mean which is really asking are you building any positions which are long term really as an individual as in let's say from career point of view from even from an individual point of view I mean, so when, for example, the mindfulness uh, book that I wrote um, uh, came out of, let's say I started workshops uh, a few years earlier than that, maybe 2015 is when I had a first workshop. By 16, or uh, yeah, by 16, I, I asked myself a question because I was enjoying it and I thought um, it's an area which I, I um, can do something about. I decided that I will dedicate, not full time, but at least at some level, 10 years time before mm -hmm. concluding that it's not worth doing. Right. Now, of course, you could say I was at a career um, where I could afford to dedicate some time, budget some time, which means if I work for 10 years and nothing happens, nothing uh, chattering is going to happen to my career. Right. Um, but you, I'm saying one could take such, you don't have to take 10 year views, I think, but Let's say you find some area which is very interesting, um, and you 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 feel you can dedicate some time at some small small chunks of time. Could you take a position and say, okay, this quarter I'll do something. Next quarter I'll look at something. It could be you can identify with books or videos or whatever courses, and it's like you you charting a roadmap um, to specialize in certain areas. Right, right. I think that's a fantastic insight, Vinay, and that's uh, that's very very relevant because see, at uh, it almost feels like in many cases uh, we are all part of 
large organizations or maybe small organizations or small teams. And regardless of whether our organizations, uh, whether we have an organizational role that gives us participation into the definition of an organizational level or department level technology roadmap, or even a functional level technology roadmap. So the, the point of making about an individual technology roadmap. So we need to have our own individual hypothesis for how the market is evolving, how businesses are evolving, what is the role of technology there, and therefore, what does it mean for me in terms of my capability development, right? So I think that's that's a fantastic insight. Great. <laughs> I think th th thanks a lot for that, Vinay, uh, and uh, extremely thoughtful um, uh, discussion today. Thanks uh, so much for making the time, and uh, uh, I uh, I'm grateful on, on behalf of ISB as well as on behalf of the uh, TechSig membership uh, for uh, you taking the time and going through this uh, conversation with us. And uh, we look forward to having you uh, again uh, as part of some other conversation, uh, possibly even on campus uh, at ISB. And uh, uh, for the audience, uh, please feel free to free to reach out to Vinay, uh, connect with him on LinkedIn. Uh, as you can uh, gather from the conversation we had today, it has a very uh, well thought out, very uh, deeply introspected perspective on technology, on design, as well as a mindfulness. Uh, rather uh, diverse but interconnected areas like uh, Vinay brought uh, brought the mindfulness and the innovation and the technology roadmapping thing together in his summary remarks. Uh, so, but he, he's, he's got this integrated view across multiple different, seemingly different areas. So feel free, feel free to reach out to, uh, to Vinay. Um, so apart from um, the, the innovation consulting work that Vinay does at Catline Innovation Consulting, uh, he's also a great author and uh, uh, he uh, conducts courses at IMB, at uh, uh, IIT Mumbai and uh, TISS. Uh, so I'm, I can imagine uh, that these are uh, uh, highly sought after courses with and it's been fantastic talking to you and we look forward to having you with us again thanks a lot Praveen. it was a pleasure and i really enjoyed the interaction i really appreciate having me all the thanks. best and best wishes yes thanks a lot thanks bye-bye thanks all